the, the plot and the schemes of the devil that is designed to, to, to neutralize us and to separate us from the life of Christ and so on. And the, the scheme that he has against us. And we've been talking about, about what's his plots and, and learning to detect the spirit of offense and so on. And today, tonight, we really want to zero in on how to put a stop to that spirit of offense. How to paralyze the devils with it, paralyze his plots and his schemes and to really put a stop to it. Amen? Now let's just begin by, um, um, by just getting an overall perspective of things. First John chapter 4, verse 9. First Epistle of John, chapter 4, and verse 9. Lenda rabba kosokondo rebekete kika remen. Le remena tu rabanda andaya. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, Rebecca sika nengandaya. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Hallelujah. Now, in first Epistle of John... Chapter 4 and verse 9, it says, In this was manifested the love of God. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, towards you. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Now, he says, this is how the love of God towards you and I was manifested. That we might live through him. Now, when you don't turn here, but in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God commended or manifested his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you know, when, when you hear, it seems to me like that's what you would expect to hear. That the love of God has been manifested and demonstrated, right? In that even when we were sinners, Christ died for us. But then, but this, this epistle of John goes, goes another level than this, that it was manifested in that while we were sinners, he died for us. It goes to this other level. And it says, this love has been manifested that God, has been manifested that God sent his only begotten son in the word that we might live through him. That we might live through him. That we might live the life that comes through Christ. That's kind of interesting. Not just that when we were sinners, he died for us. But here is the end point. Here is what it's really, really, really about. What it's really, really about is that he did all of this so that we might, we might have the life of his son flowing through us. That we might live that life. And that, that would be the life that we have. That would be the life that is made manifest. That is extremely important. Because when you understand that, then you'll understand what the devil has to do to put a stop to us. This same passage is going to go on to say in verse 16 that we must know that we have known and believed the love that God has for us. And then it says in verse 17 in 1 John chapter 4, um, it goes on to say in 1 John 4 chapter 17, herein is that love made perfect. Here is a perfect manifestation and demonstration of that love. What is it? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. So what is it all about? It is about that life, that the life of Christ being lived in you and through you. That's what it's all about. Amen? All right. Because that was all about, that's what it's all about, that's the reason why, um, put that up there now. I was going to do it later, but, but put it up there now. 
because that's what it's all about. He living that life of Christ innocent through us. That is the reason why when it got messed up with, with Adam's fall, what, did, what happened on the cross? What happened when Jesus went to the cross? What happened when Jesus went to the cross is that we were in him. And the old man, that messed up life, we were crucified with him. All right? All right, it's, it's getting brighter? Yeah. All right. We were crucified with him. Galatians 2.20 says, you were crucified with him. So that it is no longer you that live, but it is what? It is Christ that lives in you. And the life that you now live, it is the life of Christ. And you live it by the faith of the Son of God. That's what the cross, that's what the sacrifice of Christ was all about. To make that total, complete exchange. Reconciliation is a big, the, the, reconciliation is just a fancy word for exchange. He became sickness that we might have divine health. He became sin that we might be made righteous. He became poor that we might be made rich. He took our place that we might have his. So that we can now be as he is and have his life. Amen? Amen. So that is how it is. But now Jesus also says, this is what God has already done. This is what was, has already been done. That we were crucified with him. And it's no longer us that live, but it's Christ that lived in us. And this is the life that we are to live. Paul says that when God called him from his mother's womb in Galatians 1.16, it was to reveal his son in him. It was to reveal Christ in him. And that Paul might go and preach that Christ that is revealed in him to us all. Amen? That's what it's all about. But now Jesus said, look, you cannot have the experience of this and have my life rather than the old life Unless you take up your cross and you follow me. Daily. Amen? But now the devil says, okay, that's what God wants. God wants, the God wants them to function in, in the life of Christ. So that it's Jesus everywhere. I don't want that. <laughs> so he said, here's what I want to do. He says, I've got to stop that. They might be born again and everything else. But I must stop them from functioning in the life of Christ. I want them to function like me. And he is selfish. He is fleshy. Are you with me? I want them to be consumed with my own lust. And you know what I'm going to do? According to Exodus 15 verse 9. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to, they might be born again. I, I, I've heard them when they could start praying in tongues and all of that. Right? But here's what I'm going to do. I am going to pursue them. I'm going to go after them. And, and, and somewhere along the line, I'm going to overtake them. And when I overtake them, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to consume them with my lust, my nature, my selfishness, my carnality. Right? And when I, once I can do that, I'll separate them from the life of Christ. They won't be able to function in it. And then I will kill and I will destroy them. And I will spoil them and take all their goods. That's what it says. And furthermore, I'm going to go and I'm going to sit over the congregation of the church. I'm going to be like the most high God in the church of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am going to sit there above the sons of God and I'm going to get my spirit to run the show. I'm going to make the whole church be subject to my spirit of selfishness my spirit of greed, 
my spirit of, um, of, of lust, my spirit of flesh and carnality. And as a result of that, and if I could just get a hold of the head, you know what I can do? I could control the whole body. The whole body. Just by turning the head. I could control the whole body. And if I could get somebody that has a, that is, that, that, that has a huge following, whatever ism it might be, whatever bishop or pope or whatever it might be, if I could control that head, and, I'll, and, 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 and control that tongue. I'll control the whole body. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. So the devil says, that's my plan. And he says, here's how I'm going to Here's how I'm going to accomplish it. And you see, even though we have all these little fires and everything else, at the end of the day, there is one major scheme that the devil has. One. One. And it is, I call it consuming, because that's what it said in, in Exodus 59, consuming us with his own lust. But let's put it more spiritual. By turning us to selfish motivations. By, by so working in our lives, as he did in Peter's life, it says in um, Luke, what, I think 22, 31, when Jesus says, Peter, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. You know why I've prayed for you? I've, oh, sorry. I've prayed for you because the devil desire, desire you. And he desired to, you to sift you like wheat, pulverize you, torment you, harass you, so operate and manipulate and stuff in your life that he could somehow get you to yield to selfish motivation. So that you don't save the things that be of, be of God, but the things that be of men. And Jesus said, the devil is after you. And that's what he wants to do. But he's after all of us to turn us the same way. So, that spirit of offense surfaces, and Jesus put a name on it, in, in um, Matthew 16, verse 23. You know the passage where Jesus said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And then they answered, in the wrong verse 13. And they said, um, some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you are Elijah. Some say you are Jeremiah. Some say you are a good prophet. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, and Peter spoke up. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Therefore, you are now called Peter. You are a little rock. And upon this rock of revelation knowledge, hearing from God the Father, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And, um, and then Jesus, from that time, begin to, begin to speak to them and begin to tell them, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die, I, 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 you know, I'm going to suffer these things. And on the third day, I'll be raised again from the dead. And the Bible says, Jesus, Peter took him aside and says, no, you're not going to do any such thing. You are not going to go to no cross. You are not going to die. None of this stuff. We are not going to have that. And the Bible says, Jesus turned and said, get thee behind me, Satan. In verse 23. Because you 
are is get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. Satan, you are an offense. Satan, you are the very, and Satan is a spirit, is he not? Yes. Satan, you are the very embodiment and the demonic prince, captain, head of what? Offense. Offense is a spirit. It's very important. Because tonight we're going to talk about how to paralyze it. And when we talk about that, we're going to talk about us and, and the sacrifice. But there's a next part which has to do with the spirit that we must also put just as much emphasis on. Are you with me? Are we all here? Okay, so, so, Jesus, so, so um, in verse 22, so Jesus said, this spirit of offense that Peter had just yielded to called Satan, the prince of offense, he says, he says, the reason why this, the reason why this, this is such an offense is designed to cause me to stumble. It is designed to cause me to turn to some type of selfish motivation and decide, you know what? I don't want to go to no cross. Right? What's in it for me anyway? <laughs> Are you with me? He says, because this spirit of offense is designed, it does not delight in the things of God. It is not savoring the things of God, but it is savoring what's in it, the things of man, what's beneficial to you. So basically, if we were to break it down, that spirit of offense has to do with, with operating from the I, from the place of I and self, which includes selfishness. Amen. Now, it's not only selfishness in a blatant sense of selfishness. It is also selfishness and self-centeredness. Sometimes just because we, we, we can have a sheepish mindset and we can have a mindset where, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I might be nice and sweet and everything else, but I got this mindset that why me? Right? You know, feeling sorry for myself. Why does this always happen, happen to me? Why would the Lord do this to me? Why, you know, why, I mean, well, like, why me? I preached three, three and a half years, did everything I could to try to introduce Jesus to the world. And look where I am now. Getting ready for Herod to cut off my head. Like, what did I do to deserve this? Remember that? So Jesus tell, told, told, told his disciples, when you go back, you go tell John, blessed are they that are not offended at me. Amen? Now, it might not be to that level, but at various other levels. So there is that spirit of offense that is designed to turn you into some type of selfish motivation. So the devil now comes, and whether he caused strife or this or that or whatever else, ultimately, he's trying to get us to function outside of who we are in Christ. Outside of the love of God. Outside of the spirit. He wants us to, he, not only he says, I'm going to release the spirit of offense and get them to be carnal. I'll get them to be fleshy. I'm get, I, I want them to be conformed to the world. Think like the world. Not think, the, not think with the mind of Christ and the mind of the new man. Consume with the, with, with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and pride of life. What's in it for me? Don't you know who I am? So when we study it out, we begin to find a number of symptoms of the spirit of offense. And we've, we've touched on quite a few of them. All right, you can probably make a list of 20 of them. All right, we don't want to go through that, but it is on the last teaching, okay? But it is important to recognize them because in order to, 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 to neutralize or paralyze or stop the devil's 
plot and to stop that offense from taking place, from that spirit of offense from, 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 from being successful, we got to recognize it. We got to recognize it when it operates. Sometimes it could come in a whispery way. Sometimes it could come in a backbiting way. Sometimes it could come in a murmuring way. Sometimes it could come uh, 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 in, in a sense of, um, you know, of, of who's the greatest among us. Don't you know who I am? Sometimes it could come that way, in a prideful way. But it can come in various ways. Sometimes it could come in, in terms of um, cliques and, and various forms. But the fact of the matter is, you've got to recognize it. It can come in a critical spirit. It can come in where, where, where there's a touchiness. It can come in a sense of being defensive. Amen? You know, defending oneself, etc., etc., etc. And so it could come in various forms. And, and many of those, sometimes many of those things seems quite justified. Because if I don't look out for number one, who will? Amen? Oh, trust the Lord. No, I better look out for myself. Just put everything in God's hand. Let God deal with it. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Sometimes it comes in a form of self-righteousness. I'm tough. I'm strong. I, I know who I am, man. I've been a fisherman for a long time, man. I know what it is, it is to be up all night fishing and everything else. I mean, hands bruising. And I, I, I know what it is to be underneath that kind of trip. And I don't care who deny you. I'm not going to deny you. Not me. They might, but not me. I'm strong. That's called self-righteousness. Can you see that? Sometimes it, it, the manifestation is one of bullying. Sometimes it's one of... Um, uh, sometimes it, it is one where, 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 you know, like the people wanted to make Jesus king. And the same way Peter wanted to, to just take Jesus and say, no, you're not going to do this. Sometimes it wants to control. It's got to be my way or the highway. But it comes in these various forms. But we have to be able to detect it because if you don't detect it, you're not going to know what you're dealing with. Because when you come to a tree, you can't see the root. Can you? Right? You can't see the root, and, but to know what kind of tree it is, you got to see what kind of fruit is on it. Right? Maybe you might know the shape of the leaves or something else. Like, you know what a banana leaf looks like? <laughs> Do you know what a banana leaf looks like? And you can tell a banana tree something even without, without the fruit. Right? Because the leaf is so unique. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. All right. Or we have a maple leaf here in Canada, do we? Do we? Yeah. Right? You get my point? Yeah. But the point is, you've got to know the symptoms so you know what you're dealing with. And then to recognize, is this a poisonous tree or not? Or is, what was that, what was that thing that, is this poison ivy? Yeah, ivy. Ah. <laughs> Man, this stuff going to itch. You get my point? So we've got to know what the symptoms are. All right. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, but when we recognize what the symptoms are, the question now is, what is the answer? What is the answer? Now, I will present to you simply this, that the answer is the sacrifice of Christ, what Jesus did. And for me, the argument for me, I personally... I am so convinced about it, it is so very simple to me. This is how simple it is. God is great, is he? Yes, he is. is he greater than the devil? Yes. Is he smarter? Yes. Is he wiser? Yes. 
Now, what did the devil accomplish in, in the fallen Adam? Well, whatever he did and accomplished in Adam's fall, when God sent Jesus, it was to undo what the devil did in the fall, right? Amen. Now, if God is greater, then whatever God did in the second Adam has got to be greater than what the devil did in the first Adam. Simple. Yes. Amen. Got to be. That's why the Bible says much more. And we can read Romans chapter 5 and it talks about that. Right? Maybe I should give you two verses on that. Really, it is, that, is, that is just so obvious. It's got to be. Because otherwise then, then the fall is greater than, the, than, 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 um, than, than it's the fall of Adam. What the devil did in Adam would be greater than what God did in the second Adam. And that cannot be. Or else scripture like, like race and abound, grace and bounds much more would be a joke. Right? Okay, let me just give you just a few scriptures. And go read Romans chapter 5. Much more, much more, verse 9. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. As by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed unto all men, for all have sinned. That's verse 12. Let me skip, 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 skip. Verse, fifth, verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more, say much more, much more, the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, had abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation. But a free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense Death reigned by one. Much more, say much more. Much they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by? By one Jesus Christ. Which means what? By virtue of what Jesus has done. Which is what? The sacrifice. Amen? Therefore, by, by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. I'm in Romans 5 verse 18. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound. For where sin abound, grace did much more abound. Etc., etc. You get my point? So whatever the devil did in Adam... God undid it in Christ and more. Therefore, whatever happened in the fall, what God did in Christ is what's called a sacrifice. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension, the shed blood, etc., etc. Therefore, whatever God did in, 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 in Jesus, the sacrifice is greater than what the devil did with Adam in the fall. Therefore, the answer to everything that happened over there has got to be coming out of the sacrifice. It's as simple as that. You follow me? It has to be. Therefore, I don't care what it is. If it's sickness and disease, you should be able to look to the sacrifice and find your healing. Yes. If it's deliverance, it should be there. If it's poverty, the answer should be there. If it's mental torment, it should be there. No matter what it is, it should be there. If there's any kind of curse, it should be there. He hung up on the cross and he became a curse. Anything. If it's condemnation, if it's guilt, if it's inferiority complex, the answer should be there. You follow me? Yeah. All right. Now, let me approach it another way. 
Why the sacrifice has got to be the answer? Well, we've described what the problem is. The problem is carnality. Isn't it? What is the problem? Let's look at the problem a little bit. Kila basa katabaya. The problem. Let's examine the problem, and as we examine the problem, we will also see that the sacrifice is the answer. When we're talking about carnality, when we're talking about flesh, when we're talking about selfishness, self-centeredness, acting like the old man is in control, isn't all of that stuff have to do with you? Right? So can we say then the problem is you? Okay? That's what it is. But now the question is, how do we fix you? Get rid of you. Crucify you. That's the way we deal with it. Not only crucify you, but bury you. <laughs> Think about it for a moment. I mean, uh, uh, this, is the, this is the gospel. So then the answer, if the problem is you, and the problem is self, then the answer is be crucified with Christ so that it's no longer you. Get buried with him by baptism into death. And so that the life you now live is the life of Christ and you live by the faith of the Son of God. Amen? And if it's a flesh issue, Galatians chapter 5 verse 24 says, they that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. Amen? There's a lot of deliverance in that scripture there alone. But then it's, wait a minute, okay, it's not just about you. Because the, the sacrifice fix you. It puts an end to you. The thing is, we got to receive that, and we got to apply that. Whatever the truth is, you've got to apply it, or else you don't get made free. If the water, if, you, if the truth is that the water will quench your thirst, it's only going to quench your thirst if you drink it. If the fact that you are crucified with Christ is the answer, then it's not going to be, it's not going to help you unless you act like you're crucified with Christ by faith. And we'll come to that. Is that all right? But you are, you were the problem. Come on. <laughs> what about the world? Man, they could be a problem too. Them, the way they think and everything else. Well, you know something? Galatians 6 verse 14 says, I will rather glory in the cross by which the world is what? Crucified to me and me to the world. Isn't that right? So, again, what is the answer to the problem with the world? You're dead to them, crucified to them. Again, the question is, how do I apply that? But that is the truth. All right, what are the problems we have? Self-righteousness. You know what I mean? I'm a self-made man kind of thing. All right? Trusting in the arm of flesh, my own ability. I am determined. Right? You know that Peter mindset? Well... The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 4, and don't forget, all I said, righteousness has to do with my doing, my works, does it not? So let's keep it, let's understand. We still have to self righteousness, my own righteousness, me ignorant of the righteousness of God, trying to heap up my own self will, thank you, and all of that. But all of that is connected up to works, which is technically speaking connected up to the law. The keeping of the law. Remember the rich young ruler? Well, the Bible also says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 4 that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to them that believe. What does that mean? That means then that 
the purpose of the law, every good conduct that the law had required, Jesus fulfilled it. Did you know? So the purpose of the law was fulfilled in Christ. So that you don't have to go and do all these works yourself. What you do is you simply accept what he has done. Amen? The Bible says in Romans, I think 10 verse 3, being ignorant of the free gift of righteousness, they go about trying to heap up their own. It, is, it therefore says in Galatians 2 verse 19 and Romans 7 verse 4 that you are dead to the law through what? The body of Christ. That same cross makes the law have no demand. There is no demand on you to produce any kind of works whatsoever. You follow me? All right? So forget it. You're dead to it. There is no room for self-righteousness. You're crucified to that, okay? So the self-righteousness is not a problem. The sacrifice fix that. Oh, but then you see, my past. Oh, my past, you don't know. And the voice of the past, the voice of the history, oh, it keeps speaking to me. Maybe I didn't have a good enough education. Maybe this, I did this. Condemnation, well, wait a minute, stop, 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 stop. Did the cross fix that? Yes. Was this old man crucified? Yes. Was he buried? Yes. Is he existing anymore? No. There ain't no past then. Old things have what? All things have become new. Therefore, what should you do? Forget those things which are behind. Why? Because it's passed away. It's not just some mental ascent that says, oh, I'm going to forget those things which are behind. Forgive and forget. You know what I mean? In other words, this is some, this is some um, psychology thing. No, 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 no. It's based on the fact that old things have passed away. Are you with me? Therefore, forget those things. That's, whatever happened in the past is not your identity. Because the whole thing is, what you need to do is function in who you are in Christ. Function and be found in him, not having your own righteousness, which is of the law. But that which is the righteousness of God by faith. All of it is about functioning in Christ. So, so the sacrifice fixed the past. Oh, but what about people? People, is people a problem? Come on. Isn't people ever a problem? Of course there could be a problem. All right? They want to influence you. They want to manipulate you. They want to intimidate you. And you could be intimidated by them and it's all about pleasing them or not. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 that when one died for all, then were all dead. So they're all crucified. They all, dead men don't have a voice. So they're all, no, they're all crucified, which means I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not affected. I'm not living for the will of men. I'm living only for the will of God. But in the living for the will of God, I might bless you. In the living, living for the will of God, I might love you. I might be kind to you. But it is not because of some manipulation, intimidation, or, or, or on my part or yours. I'm dead, you're dead, we're all dead. That's what the word of God says. So in other words, the sac- no, I didn't say, first of all, I'm not saying that this is necessarily easy to just apply necessarily. Because we are talking about a thing called what? Crucifixion. It's not easy. All right? Crucifixion is painful. 
takes time. It's a long dying process. All right? But it is the answer. And we, 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 we only still talk, we're talking about the problem and the fact that the sacrifice is the answer. And all we've talked about so far is crucifixion and burial. But what about, what about the devil? Is he a problem? Yes, he is a problem. Is crucifixion going to fix him? Mm, 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 mm. But I'll tell you something that fixes him. The resurrection and the ascension... And here we are seated at the Father's right hand, washed by the blood of Jesus, having authority in the name of Jesus, having that resurrection life of Christ in us, and the nature of God, and the word of God. Man, we have, so the sacrifice gives us what? Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. He defeated the devil, disarmed him, and made a show of it openly. Colossians 2 verse 15. And he said, this is the victory. I've beaten up the devil. And here, I'm giving you the keys. I'm giving you my name. I'm giving you the authority over him. Not only, not only does he give us the authority over him, but, he now, but here's something else. Just in addition to the authority over the devil. This new person that is on the inside here, the devil has no authority over him. The devil has nothing in him on which he can hang his hat. There is no pegs in him. He is created in righteousness and true holiness. He has the very nature of God. He has the very mind of Christ. He don't think like the world. He doesn't have any lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. He's got no pride. His delight is in the law of God. He is Jesus is his life. And Jesus says in John chapter 14 verse 30 that the enemy comes, but he's got nothing in me. Are you with me? So this new man has been removed. He's not in the kingdom of darkness. He's been translated and he's in the kingdom of what? God's dear son. Colossians 1.30. The devil has no authority over him. And he has authority over the devil. And he's been washed by the blood. And he's got the, and he's got the name and etc. etc. Ain't that awesome? Yes. Alright. So, <laughs> let's put it this way. So crucifixion Puts an end to you, people, past, the world, self-righteousness, and so on. But then resurrection, just for the sake of communication, because you're a new creation, right? New creation, never existed before. It's like resurrection, so crucifixion put an end to you, which was the problem, and resurrection has reinvented you made you brand new, and has put you in Christ. So that now you're found in him. Amen? And if in this resurrection comes ascension, comes the name of Jesus, comes the life of Christ, come the promises of God, and comes what we've been singing about, the blood. Man, that's victory. You follow me? So what am I saying? I'm saying everything that has to do, yes, everything that has to do with the spirit of offense is answered by the sacrifice. Both by the crucifixion side and the righteousness side, which is the authority side. So that, okay, I'm dead. Uh -uh. Uh, uh, this is the power of God on the salvation. 
The preaching of the cross, the declaration that I'm crucified, the declaration that they're crucified to me, the declaration that the world has no voice. These truths, and I declare, I'm dead, I'm crucified, da-da-da-da-da. But then, so that there's nothing in me that the devil can work with. But on top of that, I've got righteousness, which means what I have the authority to say, you spirit of offense, I bind you and I command you to loosen me. Go from my mind and stop tormenting me in the name of Jesus. So there is that aspect which we're gonna, which, which we're gonna come to in, 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 um, in a little while. All right? Are we, are we okay? Yes. Hallelujah. The sacrifice puts you in him. At the end of the day, Philippians 3 verse 9 says that I be found in him. Not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but the righteousness which is of God by faith. Put it simply that I might be found in him. If I'm operating in pride and, 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 and yielding to the spirit of offense, am I operating in him? No, I'm out here. But if I stay and I keep operating in him, guess what? The evil one toucheth him not. 1 John 5, 18. He keepeth himself and the evil one touches him not. And there is no stumbling in him. He doesn't trip up. 1 John 2.10. Because he's in the light. Amen? So that, so that all that we talk about crucifixion and authority, etc., etc., it is to this end that we just stay in him. That we function in him. Okay. Because that is the case, and because it is so much about the sacrifice, and that's where the victory is, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says, I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, he says, nothing else matters. Okay, you're a doctor and you're earning a nice living, that's fine. Right? Okay, you got the Bible memorized, that's good. All right? You brought your family up well and, and, and so on and so forth. That's all good. But that's not what I'm concerned about. That's not what is going to determine whether that spirit of offense has access to you or not. This has happened in your life. No, 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 no. That is not what matters. This is all I'm concerned about. I am determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I only want to know, are you living in the reality that you're crucified with Christ? And are you living in the reality that you've been resurrected with him and you now have his life? Are you with me? He says, that's what matters. He says, that is what it's all about. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 20, verse 19 says, having boldness to enter into the holiest through the blood of Jesus. And then he says in verse 20, in a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. What is that talking about? Now, first of all, I like the phrase new and living way. It says here it is, you know, in the old covenant, they couldn't get in because of the veil. and that, Well, the veil has been torn. That's the body of Jesus Christ. The blood has been shed. So that literally, we are, we are being brought in and we can now live in the presence of God in the holiest of holies. Why? Because of the blood and the body that was broken. Does that sound like communion? Hmm? Because of the body and the blood. Jesus says, except you, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't partake of this. Jesus says, I'm going to go and do what? Prepare what? A place for you. Why? So that? That's right. So that you can live there too. 
Amen? I know you're looking for mansions when you get to heaven and all that. That's, that's another story. But he says, I'm gonna, he's already prepared that place. And that place is in the holiest of holies. This is where we, and it's a new, and a what? Living way. It's a new place, and you're supposed to live there. Not visit. Live. That's your address. Are you with me? How did you get in there? Through the body. Through the blood. That's the sacrifice. Can you see that? Yes. Paul says, I don't want to know nothing else except Christ and him crucified. All right. So now, so that is the truth. Now the question now is, how, how do we do this? How do we apply the sacrifice against that spirit of offense practically so that it doesn't have that access to us? Amen? Now, before I say that, let me say something else. And as much as we will have a determination, so to speak, to live in this place, be found in him, as much as there's going to be like a holy determination about that, Having said that, this victory is not going to come by willpower. Make up your mind. You got to make up your mind. You got to stop doing this. You got to stop doing that. You just haven't made up your mind. That's why you keep struggling. No, 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 no. That's not the answer. If that's the answer, then it means let's just all make up our minds and we'll be all right. That would be just, that would be nice and easy. And you could probably get that on the psychiatrist's couch. But no, that Jesus didn't die on the cross for that. That's not what it's about. So let me just show, you, show that to you a little bit. You know, we talk about being crucified and crucified to the world. People crucified, you crucified, past, this way of thinking, not being confirmed to this world. But here's an aspect that I think is really, really very significant. Colossians chapter 2. I'm heading to verse 23. All right, but before I get there. Okay. Okay, let me just go read from verse 20, okay? Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ, are you dead with Christ? Yes. Okay, that's crucifixion. We talk about crucifixion there, are we? Yes. Okay, it didn't use the word crucifixion, but that's what it means. If you be dead with Christ, from what? The rudiments of the world. You're crucified with Christ to what? The world and the rudiments of the world. The Amplified says, to the material ways of looking at things. And, for, and, and, and have escaped from the words, crude and elementary notions and teachings and externalisms. You know? In other words, it's not, in other words, then this crucifixion here that is talking about to the rudiments of the world is the entire way the world thinks and operates. And to, to grasp that, all you gotta do is just shift, look at the new man. How does he think? Does he think like the world? No. Romans chapter 7, 22 says, his delight is in the law of God. Amen? He doesn't really enjoy it too much. I like watching basketball. And I, I don't know, maybe Jesus watches it with me a little bit. I don't know. But, <laughs> but the new man is not exactly excited about my watching basketball. He gets more excited and he gets more delighted when we get into the word. When we get into fellowship, when we get into praise, when we get into worship. He doesn't think like the world. He doesn't try to entertain himself. 
He is not concerned. He's not ambitious. And that, and, and that kind of stuff. Right? He is not in it for himself. He does not live the rest of it. He, he lives. This is where he judges. That I was crucified with Christ. And now that I live, I ought to live for him that died for me and rose again. That's how he thinks. That's not how the world thinks. <laughs> Are you with me? So that is the reason why you're going to hear this phrase, touch not, taste not, handle not. Because the world has all these set of rules and stuff. But the, the new man don't think like that. All right. He's crucified to the rudiments of the world. Verse 22. Which all are to perish with using after the commandments and the doctrines of men. Verse 23. This is why we came here. Which things have been, have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship. It's a show of wisdom when, we, when, we, when um, we're going to say, okay, look, I don't know if anybody knows golf. Anybody, any golfers in here? Man. Used to be. Man. Do you guys not know what happened today? Yes. Tiger Woods. Oh. What happened? Got a fifth green Yes. My son sent me a clip for 50 seconds. And he said, this is Tiger's motivation. And it was a clip, if I were to show it to you, and I could probably show it to you after, so 50 seconds. And it was a clip of various people saying how he should retire. It, he would never be the same. This, that, and a whole lot of stuff. And it showed Tiger sitting watching this stuff. And apparently, and he said that that clip was from a couple of weeks ago. Today, he fulfilled it. But I think, I don't think he did it. Okay, God may have been gracious and merciful, but it was willpower. And determination and persistence. Is, the, is, is that a good thing? Yes. But nevertheless, if that's all it takes, then we ought to worship that willpower. So it says, it, indeed, it's a show of wisdom in will worship and humility, in neglecting of the body or, or, or in the disciplining of the body and all of that stuff. And in any honor and satisfying flesh. The Amplified says, such, such practices have indeed the outward appearance that popularly, that popularly passes for wisdom in promoting self-imposed rigor and devotion and delight in self-humiliation and severity of discipline of the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence, indulgences of the flesh, the lower nature. Instead, they do not honor God, but serve only to indulge the flesh. Are you with me? In other words, then, all that is saying is the answer is not in your willpower. If the answer was the willpower, then you ought to worship your willpower. Every time people come into counseling, just give them some willpower, motivation, pills to take. All right? But it says that's not the answer. You need to know that. Amen? You need to recognize that. So that when we say, well, how do we apply this sacrifice? It's not going to be by willpower. Am I saying that you shouldn't be determined, that you shouldn't be persevering? I'm not saying that. I believe you should have a holy determination, yes. But that's not the answer. The answer is in applying what Jesus has already done. And walking in the truth is the knowing of the truth, the application of the truth that produces the freedom. It is seeking first that kingdom of God, that reign, that dominion, and operating in the righteousness that causes all the victories to be added onto you. Are you with me? All right, so now let's look at that. So how do we do this? How do we apply that sacrifice? Number one, huh, know the symptoms of the spirit of offense. 
to start with, recognize them, detect them, and then what should you do when you detect them? First of all, you need to have a violent mindset against the spirit of offense. What did I say? What kind of mindset? Violent. Okay. How violent is violent? Violent. <laughs> Extreme. Extreme violence. In other words, when you see a little bit of strife and a little bit of um, um, prideful and, you know, stuff, and you're allowing yourself to just, you know, get into a little bit of pride, what should you do? Should you be violent against it? Yes, yes because it's a symptom of something deeper. Here you are, you're all offended. Because what? Right? They didn't give me the front seat. You know what I mean? I mean, and, 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 and on this particular day, when I have my kids with me and they need to see how well I'm honored, and they didn't give me the front seat. Well, if you catch yourself like that, and that's a symptom of what? The spirit of offense, what should you do? Just deal with being offended? No. Go deal violently with the spirit of offense that is behind it. Are you with me? In other words, oh, but I'm being touchy. Oh, or, or, or this critical stuff. Or this, or this murmuring stuff to try to set two people against one another. And it seems so nice and simple. But anyway, can I wait a minute here? That's a symptom of that spirit of offense. Oh, what should you be do? What should you do? Be how? Violence. Say violent. The violent taking it by force. All right. So let me show you this violence. I didn't make this up. Jesus wrote this. All right? So he says, and then you know the story in Matthew chapter 18 when he put a little child in the midst and he says, this is, this is how the greatest among you are and so on and so forth. Right? And then he says, but whosoever shall, verse 6, shall offend one of these little ones. Say offend. offend. Whoever it is that is operating in that spirit of offense and offends one of these little ones that believe in me, it was better for him that a milestone were hung about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea, not in the shallow end. <laughs> Is that violent? All right. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offense come, but woe to the man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if your hand or your foot offend you, cut it off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. In other words, that's violent. Now, does he mean that you are to literally cut off your hand? It actually, he's going to go on to say, and if your eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. I'm simply saying Jesus' mindset against the spirit of offense was a very violent one. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. All right. And we need to have, let this mind be in you, which was? All right. So how do you deal with this offense? So there is a hatred that God has for the spirit of offense. That is why when Peter yielded to that, Jesus turns and says, get thee behind me, Satan. And I don't think Jesus said that nice and soft and sweetly. You follow me? There was a fierceness in when he spoke that, and that's why. All right. So number one, make sure you recognize where the symptoms are and have a violent mindset against it. Number two, 
apply crucifixion. When I say apply crucifixion, I apply these things from the sacrifice, whether they crucified to the world, people or whatever, and the way you apply it, and I must emphasize this, is by speaking. Say speaking. speaking. You must speak. The word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 that it is the preaching of the cross that is the power of God unto salvation. In other words, the preaching of the sacrifice has the power of God to bring forth salvation, deliverance, healing, wholeness. It did not say the cross is the power of God. It says the preaching of the cross which means the speaking, the declaring, the proclaiming. Are you with me? You must speak. The number one of the devil's trick is to try to keep believers quiet. Let them not talk. Intimidate them from speaking. Intimidate them from speaking the truth. Intimidate them. Don't let them say they are healed and I'm free from every infection while, while they're sneezing. Don't let them say that. All right? Keep, let them confess their circumstances and what it feels like and everything else. But don't let them speak the truth. Intimidate them. Are you with me? Because the speaking life is in the power of the tongue. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 6, the, it says that um, the righteousness of faith speaks. And it says, Right? It doesn't say Jesus come up or come down. It says the word is near you, even in your mouth, in your heart. The righteousness of faith, the right conduct, or the right behavior of faith speaks. We, we have the same spirit of faith. We believe and therefore speak. And we could go on and on and on and on, but you must speak. In other words, I understand crucifixion. I understand the old man was crucified. I understand that I'm dead to the world. And, and I don't think the way the world was. I, I understand all of that. No, you got to speak it though. It is the acknowledgement of the truth that is after godliness. Titus 1 verse 1. The acknowledgement of the truth that produces the manifestation of the God life. Amen? The knowing and the application of the truth is what makes you free. So I cannot emphasize that enough. Number three, function in righteousness, which means function in your authority. Right? Function in your authority, which is like, which is to say, you know, there's the eight aspects of the sacrifice of Christ, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, the blood, the name, the life, and the promises. Crucifixion and burial, the, the next six, function in those. Because those are all, the crucifixion is done. Fun, function in those, and you'll be functioning in your authority. Function in the fact of what the blood has done, Function in the fact that you resurrected with Christ. Function in the fact that you're seated at the Father's right hand. Function in the fact that you now have his life, that you now have his nature. Function in the authority of his name, etc., etc. Function in authority. Now, authority speaks. The righteousness which your faith speaks. The scepter of the kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. The kingdom of God, for it to go into motion, what commands it and releases it into motion is righteousness. Amen? Okay. So you must function in righteousness. And you got to learn. And, and, and if I can put it this way, you got to learn to live this way. Crucifixion. Authority of righteousness. You got to learn to live that way daily. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
You got to learn to live that way daily. Paul said in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, always bearing about in the body of the dying Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said basically, look, regardless of whether I'm being persecuted, they're trying to stone me or, or, or scandalize me or betray me or whatever, call me names, no matter what's going on, no matter what I'm experiencing, this is what I do. You want to know how come I don't fall into this spirit of offense and, and, and start defending? You want to know how come it is I, I don't become a hypocrite like, like Peter and when everybody shows up, then I stop eating pork? You want to know how come I, I'm not like that? You want to know how come it is I'm not intimidated when they say, hey, they're gonna, when you go to Jerusalem, they're going to throw you in jail? You want to know why it is that I can say I count not my life dear unto myself so I can finish my course with joy and the ministry that the Lord has called me to? You want to know how come it is I can say that I am indeed crucified with Christ and not that that's my experience and it's no longer I that live? Would you like to know why it is that I can say for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? Here is why. Because I always bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ so that that life of Christ will be made manifested. That very life that God, when he called me from my mother's womb, it was to manifest that life. And this is how it works. I live continually in this identification that I'm crucified with him. I live in this identification that I have the, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ right? and, I, and, that, and that I resist the devil and he flees from me. I live in this place where I don't give him no place. I don't let no corrupt communication come out of my mouth. I only speak that which is good to the use of edifying that it might minister grace to the hearers. And I don't care what anybody say about me. I don't even judge myself. Right? I'm not living for the will of men. If I be the servant of men, then if I'm living for the will of men, then I'm no longer the servant of God. Are you with me? And as for this conscience, man, I do not allow it. I do not allow it. Talk about itchy, itchy ears? Not me. No, no itchy ears. I maintain a conscience. I exercise myself to maintain a conscience void of offense before God and man. And the, way I, the, the reason I can, be, can say all these things is because this is how I live. I always bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus so that that life of Christ might be made manifested. Because I recognize I was crucified with him. I was buried with him. And this is, this is my determination. Man, I come to all things but loss. Even those things that were gained to me that I could boast about, I don't even bother. I'm not going to allow myself to be hindered, hindered, be held back by me spending all that time praising myself. I come to all but loss. Because this is what I'm after, the excellence of the knowledge of him, which is by faith in him. All I want to do is to know him. The power of his resurrection. And I want to have fellowship and participation in his suffering. And be made conformable even unto his death. So that even while I'm in this body, I could live as if I'm already resurrected. I'm, listen, I might not get app apprehend everything for which God has apprehended me for. But I'm telling you this though. I'm pressing for the mark. I'm pressing for the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ. And even though I might not be quite there yet, there is this one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind. Amen? And you know what I suggest? I suggest you have the same mind in you too. 
And if you're not like-minded, may God reveal it unto you. <laughs> Is that our scripture? Yes. All right? So, what am I saying? <laughs> I'm saying that we got to learn to live this way daily. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, take up your cross, how often? Daily. And follow me. He said, you cannot be where I am just because you want to, or just because you're born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, or just because you're called of God, or because you're a pastor or a minister, right? No. The only way you can be my disciple is you've got to deny yourself, even your own self. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Without that, you cannot be my disciple. Amen? Amen. All right. Because of time, I thought we were going to be further, but I think we should stop here. Because I really want to go somewhere else, but I really would need some time to do that. But I'll tell you where I want to go. I still want to go back to Peter. I, 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 I mean, we got to set Peter free. And he looks. We <laughs> were able to set him free in Hamilton today, though. <laughs> no, we got to set Peter free. And, and, and we need to do that. And, and I, 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 without, I wasn't meaning to, but I kind of indirectly did a compressed version of, of why Paul didn't have that spirit of offense working in his life. Right? But then I'm, I, I want us to go on into an area of literally demonstrating um, the application of the blood and exercising our authority over the spirit of offense. Crucifixion is all that is absolutely necessary, but there is the spirit as well. Amen? So I hope to get there. But we're not going to get there. And if I try to do that, it's not wise. It will be overload. So this notebook has to wait. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. But it was good, though. Yes, it was. <laughs> the, the stuff in the book there is good. Yeah, but anyway. Huh? What's that? Oh, no, no. Yeah, that, 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 yeah that's stuff. That's stuff. We have discernment. We'll be able to detect when that spirit of offense is present. Yes. And we'll be able to take that stand against it. Say, 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 pray this with me. Say, Father in heaven, Father in heaven I, thank you I thank you that the love of God, love of God is shed abroad in my heart. And this is who I am. This is who I, am. I am crucified with Christ. I, am I reckon myself to be dead. And Christ is alive in me. He is now my life. That love is shed abroad in my heart. May it abound and overflow in the name of Jesus. And Father, I'm asking for a spirit of discernment so that I might detect when the spirit of offense is operating in my life and even around me. In the name of Jesus. Help me to recognize what are the symptoms, subtle as they may be. And by your grace, and by the Spirit of God, take authority over that spirit of offense, resist it, loosen myself from it, break its power off of me, and yield to the Holy Ghost. 
Stay in the spirit. Stay in the spirit. Declare crucifixion. Declare crucifixion. Declare the life of Christ. Declare, the life of Christ. Declare my authority. And the blood of Jesus. Freedom from condemnation. Freedom from self-righteousness. Father, I trust in you. I trust in what Jesus has finished. So I am expecting to grow in grace. Have discernment. Abound in love. And be free from the spirit of offense. For the rest of my life. And in Jesus' name, that the fruits of righteousness, evidence of Jesus' life, of your nature, will emanate from me. So that wherever I go, the light will shine. Wherever I go, the love will be broadcast. And your name will be known. Father, I thank you that by the blood of Jesus, I am justified. I've been washed. I am sanctified. And in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost, I am justified. As if sin has never been, I am righteous. Amen.